Look, we've been real negative about the Padres lately, and for good reason, but guess what? They beat the Dodgers last night and won the series two out of three behind Blake Snell, continuing his Cy Young campaign, talking about whether or not he deserves the award, Luis Campizano hitting a big home run, Trent Grisham with a weird bunt decision, and in general vibes about this Padres team. You know what you're listening to, so let's get started. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, September 14th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, as always, or at L-O underscore Padres for only Padres-related tweets, but go follow my personal account. I don't know. I've been having more fun on there lately. Uh, you could do that. But then, of course, follow Lockdown Padres on YouTube as well. That is the most important, at least lately. I don't know. I just I like interacting with people on there. Um, if you want to see whatever I'm wearing, I'm wearing this old Adidas shirt. It's actually a really cool shirt. It's like laces that spell out Adidas. It's kind of hard to show on the on the video. But if you're watching the video, you'll get to see it. It's a really cool shirt. I'm, I'm proud of it. Um And of course, guys, thank you for making us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. And today's episode, guys, we're going to try and be positive. We're going to try. Look, there's still negative. All right, we did lose a game in this series, and it was pretty rough. But nonetheless, there's still a lot of fun in this series. And we're going to start with last night's game and work through it. That's right. We're doing a series recap, but I actually, and again, I say this knowing that's, oh, of course he's going to say this. He he does content every day. Of course he's going to say there was actually something to talk about this time. But I really think that there was for this series. There's some cool notes. Um, and it starts with last night's game um, with Blake Snell on the mound. And he's the number one story. I mean, what can I say? This guy has been with the, I, I think it's him, Hassan Kim, you know, Tatis getting his counting stats up, and Luis Campuzato, and then, I don't know, after that, right? But basically, Blake Snell has been the story um, of this Padres second half, of this Padres team for a while now, and against one of, if not the best offenses in all of baseball. They've got an MVP contender. They've got the third MVP contender, right? Like they've got everything with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. He goes out there and goes six innings, only giving up one hit, no earned runs, only walking one and striking out eight, lowering his ERA to 2.43 on the season. It's actually, and this is this is wild considering how absolutely lights out he's been for so long now, but one of Blake Snell's best starts in a long time. Like a long, long time. I'm serious. I don't think he's... The last time he only gave up one hit was against the Mets on July 9th when he struck out um, 11. And before that, this is that's the only other one-hit performance, and it's one of the only one-walk performances too. Uh, that Mets game was was pretty good as well, but also against the Giants way back in June 22nd. 
uh, was the last time he didn't walk uh, more than two batters, which is pretty, pretty nuts. Um, and in this one, he only walked one, and it's against an elite team. Um, I don't know what else to say about Blake Snell as a performer at this point. I think that we've done that. We're going to save that, you know, in terms of my overall vibes on his mechanics and stuff for when we do player pre- uh, reviews and whatnot uh, as we kind of, you know, get to the the twilight, get to the waning moments of this season. But in terms of this in general, I think the discussion about Blake Snell for the Cy Young is just his rival, uh, Justin Steele, who was at one point the holder of the lowest ERA in baseball. He's a very, very good pitcher out of Chicago. But now Blake Snell, after going six innings, and just being dominant against the Dodgers, now it's him now, uh, which is really crazy. And I think that I don't know fully um, who should win the Cy Young. I think I actually, when it comes to these situations, what I usually do is I like using story and a little bit peripheral, not peripherals, a little bit of extenuating circumstances, a little bit of the behind just the stats uh, as like a tiebreaker, because I think both him and Justin Steele have been about as dominant as each other. And I know that there are some metrics that Justin Steele's better in, right? Like he's had a better FIP. Um, he's got more F4, which for the record, I think wins above replacement for pitchers is kind of dumb, personally. I just don't like that Kyle Bradish is like the fifth best in baseball in that, and I don't let, you know what I mean? Like, he's not the fifth best, but you get my point. I don't like how, for example, the reason why I don't think F4 is great for pitchers, for example, is that Aaron Nola, who has given up a ton of runs all year, uh, is like higher than Blake Snell, or at least at one point was. And I, I just don't like that. I think that that says too much about expected stats and, you know, what was supposed to happen versus what you actually did. You know what I mean? Like, we're not talking about who you'd rather have going forward. We're just talking about who had the better season, who gave up less runs. And to me, that that's what we're looking at. And now, Blake Snell has the best ERA in baseball at 2.43. Justin Steele is sitting at a 2.49. And while, yes, his FIP is better, um, the strikeout rate certainly isn't. It certainly is not. Um, I think that this is really close. The left on base percentages is higher for Blake Snell. The ground ball rate is higher for Justin Steele. So while Justin Steele, the the one thing that Snell has going for him in this race is the ERA and most importantly, the strikeout rate. Uh, Blake Snell is easily the best strikeout pitcher in baseball at the moment. Um at least for the most part. There's some other guys. You got Freddie Peralta. You got Kevin Gosman of the Blue Jays. But you get my point. In terms of the National League, uh, he's been one of the aces out there, right? He's just not giving up runs. And he's striking out like everybody. But Justin Steele, um, in terms of his strikeout rate, let me see if I can find it. He's all the way down at 25th. So the difference between Justin Steele and Blake Snell in terms of strikeout stuff and swing and miss stuff is pretty drastic. And again, we're going to dive deeper into these numbers uh, on more episodes to come, you know, with with called strikes plus whiffs, the CSW percentages, all that stuff. But for the most part, Blake Snell has been like the dominant guy. Spencer Strider is another strikeout ace, which is a guy who I've been bringing up as a potential uh, Cy Young winner as well. I think he might finish third along with Freddie Peralta being in the mix. But the other thing, is going to be the walk rate. That could go against Blake Snell. He has easily the highest one in baseball, which is where some people might say, oh, is he getting bailed out by his defense a lot? Is the fact that he's... Is this something that has been a little bit more luck because of how many batters he's walked, right? And I totally understand that decision, but from that perspective, I actually don't think that that's what it's going to come down to. For me, I think that these two are so close, and what it may come down to, and I'm not saying that this is fair, but just... 
what I was saying earlier, the heart, the vibe, the story, the extenuating circumstances behind it. I said this years ago, and I have to stick with what I, you know, to be consistent, back when Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto and I believe Bryce Harper were the three MVP candidates, I talked about how I thought Bryce Harper should win. Um, because I thought that while he was lesser in some areas, you know, I think both him and Tatis were lesser than Soto in a lot of areas because Soto actually played good defense that year. He didn't have that many issues. He was like 90th percentile and outs above average somehow, which was wild <laughs> to think about. Like, how did that happen? But, um, you know, Soto for me, I did view it as, look, he's not playing for anything. Um, he's playing for himself and that, that matters, but... To me, I thought Soto, like, they were out of it for a long time, and I do wonder how that changes things. Well, I looked at Harper, and I said, look, that team was in the playoff race the entire time, and he was the only bat that they could count on. So knowing that, knowing that you're in the playoff hunt, and you're the guy, it has to be you, for you to still produce, I think means a little bit more. And for me, in a similar vein, that's where I think that this Justin Steele comes in and why I think he's a Cy Young winner. Um, between the two, at least for now. Uh, we'll see how it goes if he lowers his ERA even more, Snell, and another start. But this is for a team, this Padres team, that's not making the postseason. I know they're not technically eliminated yet, but to me, Justin Steele, like, they need to keep winning games. And he's continued to keep giving them great starts. He's a little bit fun in terms of the unknown factor, which I think might, uh, it is, well, may not be admitted by voters, is something that I think plays into it, where it's like, oh, this is the new out there guy. It's a cool story that he's new. He's what's hot. He's what's new. And Justin Steele, I, for one, think that as a tiebreaker, not a full thing, but as a tiebreaker being like, you know what? This guy has been making starts for a team for a while now that they know we are right there and we need you to keep delivering. Don't get me wrong, Snell, when we still thought the playoffs were possible, still performed. This is not a guy who only got hot, like super hot in the last month uh, when we knew that we probably weren't making it. Like after losing those Diamondback games, like he's been electric for like three months now. Uh, probably even more than that, if we're being honest. So that that is still part of it. But for me, I just kind of like that the Cubs are in the middle of the playoff race and that this guy keeps delivering every single time. In fact, if the if I'm not mistaken, are the Cubs in the playoffs? They're yes, they are. They are they are the second wild card, and I think that that does matter. You know, when they're trying to keep away from San Francisco and Miami and Cincinnati and trying to just overall just do better in the standings or trying to still you know maybe catch up, right? So that to me matters just a tiny bit more. Personally, it's close. I don't feel amazing about this stance because maybe people will be mad, but that's just me. That's just me, ladies and gentlemen. But we've got more to talk about because more happened in this game and certainly the rest of the series, guys. Uh, but before we get into that, let me just take a second, just a second, guys, to talk to you about one of our sponsors. That is eBay Motors. Ah, love these folks. Love these folks, guys. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. From superchargers, exhaust kits, and more, eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive. I love that. Your ride or die alive. I mean, what more could you ask for in all of life? You want to keep your ride or die alive, no matter what it is, right? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. And when you're on the little eBay Motors thing, they tell you, up. Oh, X mark or check mark for it'll work for your car. So don't worry about buying the wrong parts, guys. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. And we're back. 
everybody as you hear the clang of my water bottle here on the lockdown padres podcast please go check out us on the sirius xm app for your hometown play-by-play broadcast of the san diego padres you know baseball if you like that if that's your thing if you're a radio listener hey i grew up a radio listener on the east coast i'd love hearing like john sterling and susan waldman talk about stuff it'd be really it'd be a lot of fun but anyway 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 ladies and gentlemen uh, there's more that happened here. We talked a lot about Blake Snell, and he is the story of the game in a lot of ways. And I'm wondering, and look, we're, we're talking about the Dodgers, so hello. If uh, there are Dodgers fans watching this video, I know you guys love tuning into this show whenever it's uh, Padres-Dodgers talk. So hello, I hope you're all having a, a fine night, uh, genuinely. I, I'm not trying to, like, throw shade or anything. But I'm going to throw shade a little bit at the Dodgers, uh, just a tiny bit, because the Padres did win this series, uh, which is cool. And I'm not saying for the playoffs and all that, I get it, blah, 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 I don't need all the Dodgers fans getting mad at me and whatnot, but it was still cool. And the biggest thing, aside from Blake Snell in this game, was a three-run home run by Luis Campizano. I mean, just absolutely incredible from my guy here. Um, and I've been hyping this guy up for a while. I haven't been right this right on a player for the four years that I've been doing this podcast since dare I say like, Oh man. I mean, I was, I was right about Grisham that first year. I think that that does count. I was super high on Grisham heading into 2020. I know that was like an eon ago, but I can't remember the last time I was right on a guy this much. Um, was I, I think I was right about relievers. I think I liked Mark Melanson a lot and he was pretty good that one season. I liked the, I just liked in general what they had been doing with relievers, and then I think there was probably like one other player that I liked, but for the most part, that's basically it, and Luis Campuzano has been awesome. Since he got recalled on July 19th, he is slashing 311 with a 360 on base, 462 slugging percentage, and that's good for a 130 WRC+, 30% better than your average major leaguer. And forget average major leaguer, your average catcher this year in Major League Baseball has an average WRC plus of around 89. So he's like, hold on, 41% better than your average MLB catcher. And all because they gave him a damn chance. And that's what's so frustrating about Luis Campizano sometimes is being like, it's amazing how they treated this guy for so long. I think it's an, an indictment. I think it is a reflection of Padres' leadership, Padres' front office and management that this guy was consistently brought up and down, up and down for players, in my opinion, that we knew who they were and they weren't all that great. Austin Nola, I know that he has the eye issue and whatnot, but I'm just saying, even with that, I'm wondering, like, why wasn't he given more consistent at-bats? Because he's clearly an offensive force at the plate. Like, he's an absolute beast. He's got five home runs in a pretty small sample size. This is a guy that could probably finish with 20 home runs and have an awesome, you know, slash line like what I just mentioned. That's going to be huge for next year. The only thing with him is going to be the defense, which we talked about in a previous episode. You know, he had that those bad uh, fumbles with the ball uh, in the last series uh, that they played with the error throwing to third and with the error with catching the ball and the ball bouncing off his, his glove for one of the strikes, the knuckleball, I believe, for Michael Waldron. So, like... Look, he has issues, but I just think that like showing the kid that you're giving him a chance and now seeing, let's tinker with him. If you bring in some coaches to figure out some of the defensive stuff, this guy is a genuinely really big impact player. Not to mention if they bring back Gary Sanchez, the Padres are in a rare situation where they have an advantage over other teams. They have a lot of disadvantages, but catcher might be one of them. So shouts to Luis Campizano. Also get a solo shot from Juan Soto in this game and an RBI from 
Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr., which usually doesn't matter because it was bases loaded. I, I wouldn't be bringing this up necessarily, but it was off Joe Kelly. If you want to know my thoughts on Joe Kelly, I hate him. He's one of my most detested players in baseball. It's him and Madison Bumgarner for those keeping track um, in terms of just purely sports people because uh, I think that they're punks. I think they're cowards, and I don't like people who enforce unwritten rules. I don't like people who throw at guys because they irk them a tiny bit, and then they act like they're the tough ones when they're throwing from 90 feet away. Um, I don't like that. I've never liked it. I don't like it when he called Tatis the B-word. Um you know, just because Tatis recoiled as he almost hit him with the ball. Um, I don't understand why the batter in those situations is the weak one. I don't understand that. I will never understand it. I'll never understand why people started getting over, like, overzealous and hyped about Joe Kelly just because he threw at Carlos Correa a bunch of times at his head. And then he did the funny gif, uh, the, the, the tongue face or whatever, which is very funny. But I think that there's nothing wrong with Carlos Correa being like, what the heck, man? You want, hey, Joe Kelly. How about you go up to Carlos Correa, like, like like not a coward, and do the same thing, and then if Carlos Correa beats your butt and he does the face, or if you get hurt or whatever, then oh, then he could do the same face. So again, I hate Joe Kelly, everything he stands for, and I think he's weak. Um, that being said, <laughs> that being said, that's basically it for that game. Um, and the rest of the series, um, there's not too much to necessarily discuss, you would think. Um, the Padres get killed in Tuesday's game. They get absolutely killed. That one's done from the onset. Um, and that one, I have a lot to talk about, um, or at least a lot more. Look, there's not much to talk about in terms of just the the general vibes of the game. Michael Waka, though, it is worth bringing up, has been shaky. It seems like he's regressing, uh, but I think regressing in a way that is or should have been expected. His last four, hold on. His last four starts, dating back to August 27th, against the Brewers, five and a third, four earned runs. Against San Francisco, six innings, only two earned runs on six hits, though. Against Philly, four innings, three earned runs on seven hits. And then against the Dodgers, seven earned runs on seven hits. So he's been a little bit shaky lately. Uh, for a guy who hadn't given up more than two runs, he, he had like a really long streak dating back all the way to like April, May. Like he was awesome. He has had a little bit of regression to the mean. I'm hoping that this is just him calming down, though. And what I mean by that is he's still a good pitcher. And has been a nice find for this team. But he's not sub-3 ERA good. You know what I mean? And I'm totally cool with that. If he's a mid-3s ERA guy who can get you an okay amount of strikeouts. Maybe limit the walks and just give you good innings. Just be a solid starting pitcher. That's still huge for this team. And especially something they should consider uh, for next year. But I'm just saying. I wouldn't freak out too much about this. I think that this is more about, hey... Uh, you know, he, he's getting a little bit of the regression that uh, that people should have expected or at least should have been anticipated for a guy who's been mostly underwhelming for most of his career, especially with health and all that stuff, you know, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not freaking out about it. I just think he's regressing in a fine way. I think that he's going to have a probably a good start after this and we'll be OK um, unless he gets like seriously keeps getting rocked. I'm not worried. This is a guy who was delivering when we were still right in the thick of the playoff race. So I'm not worried about Waka. Um, but he does get lit up in this game. Uh, four, seven runs, and that basically ends it right there. And then my guy, my guy, Nick Hernandez, making his debut. Unfortunately, two innings, two earned runs in this one. I don't have many thoughts on him just yet. Uh, we'll see how it pans along. And then our boy, Rich Hill, <laughs> coming in because why not? you got to have someone throw innings. He gives up two earned runs in this one as well. I believe he's given up. Has he given up runs in every single appearance? 
He has. He's given up at least two earned runs in every appearance, I believe, for the Padres, except for when one didn't fully count because of the errors by Campizano, I believe, uh, against Houston September 10th. So that's it. But overall in this game, not much really to report. Like I already said, uh, just just not great. Just not great. Um whatsoever. The only runs the Padres score here are a Fernand Tatis Jr. solo shot and a Trent Grisham fielder's choice. Uh, first of all, Tatis, love him. You know, sl- he's been slowly getting better lately and hitting the ball harder. But I want to talk about Trent Grisham because Trent Grisham, ladies and gentlemen, Trent Grisham is a real handful, isn't he? There is a moment, and it was interesting that this moment actually happens. Um, and it gets brought up later. Um, Hold on one second. Machado. It gets brought up later by Dave Roberts, who was literally bringing up, like, how is your six hitter? And I'm paraphrasing, but he was shocked by Trekkers from deciding to bunt um, with the bases loaded and nobody out. Ends up allowing a run to score, but it is very, very weird. Um, and according, and from what Bob Melvin said, that he didn't sell him to bunt, but... This, I believe, is a nice microcosm, is a good reflection of the issues with Trent Grisham. Uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine just being like, you know, one of the, the through lines that he he believes that most major league teams have is that they have an excellent center fielder. Some will say center field shortstop, the best, the most important positions, because they also impact defense a lot. So that could be a big part of this. But with Grisham, it is remarkable that the Padres have had this guy starting with little to no competition for four years now. Um, and, and I get why they like him. He's still a good player. He plays good defense. He can hit the ball pretty hard. Um, he doesn't swing at, you know, the worst pitches all the time. He can, you know, he can, he's okay. But is he like a focal point of your team? I think that we have a large enough sample size to say no. And I don't care about the hard hit rate with him because clearly there's more to that when it comes with Grisham. But... This reminded me, eerily reminded me, and not the same situation, not the same leverage, of last year in the NLCS. Uh, For those who don't remember, against the Philadelphia Phillies with, and I have the play-by-play now, walked up so I get it right, with the the season on the line, because the Phillies had, you know, they were leading the series 3-1, Myers strikes out, then Brandon Drury gets a walk, Hassan Kim gets a walk, and Grisham decides to bunt. And it's just very curious. Does Grisham not believe in his abilities to hit? Does he think he's going to leg out these bunts? Because unless you're Ichiro Suzuki 2001, it's probably not going to happen. Um, I'm not saying that it's I don't appreciate Grisham's occasional bunt for a single, but that's really hard to do, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Is he just so bad at putting the ball, the bat-to-ball skills that he's just like, I have to just bunt? including with the bases loaded and nobody out. And like in that Philly series, you had first and second with one out. And you move the runners up second and third. If it was nobody out, I understood that bunt more. But now that there's two outs, second and third, you're just putting more pressure on Austin Nola to get a hit because a sacrifice fly will not be enough. And by the way, what did Nola do? He popped up to right field. Maybe, maybe if you swung away a little bit, and Grisham isn't necessarily a double play guy either. So this is just concerning. And I think overall shows you, Padres need to figure this out. Because Trent Grisham's still starting on a two hundred bajillion dollar payroll team for like the fourth year in a row, year in a row at center field with little competition and basically playing every day, I think is an indictment on Padres roster building and the management and the front office and all that stuff. I, I do because this guy clearly just you can't. I mean, even Dave Roberts said it. He's like a six hitter and he's giving us a free out. Like 
It's insane to me. And by the way, yeah, the Padres only score one run that inning, which is astounding. Absolutely astounding. But it's just very weird. And that feels like a losing type of mentality and playing when you do stuff like that. Bases loaded, nobody out. You should not be bunting. Ever. That doesn't make any sense. And this isn't on Melvin. He said that this was all Grisham. So I don't know what that was. But again, it reminded me a lot of that Phillies series. The way it ended, just guy can't hit. Uh, Maybe he'll figure it out somewhere else. That's totally possible. Maybe he's going to be more valuable to another team. But for now, I would like to see if the Padres could in any way uh, address the center field issue. Jackson Merrill, maybe that's what they're planning. Maybe they're going to try and put him out in center field. Maybe they're going to say, all right, you're our new center fielder now. Possibly. I wouldn't hate that. I think that'd be very cool, actually. And I don't necessarily think that they need to just go trade for Luis Robert because I think that would be doing too much. And that's what this team has been doing too. This team has been doing too much of doing too much. So I wouldn't like that, but I do think that that is a reflection on Grisham. And I'm curious to see um, how it pans out um, over the course of this offseason. That's going to be a big question. Um, But let me tell you, I always have a big question, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to medication, when it comes to my antibiotics. You know what I mean? Let me tell you, the Jace case. With Jace Medical, they're trying to help you out, ladies and gentlemen. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency uses. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. It's really cool, guys. And look, let me tell you, there's been times, I mean, look, over the past few years, you know, you got COVID, you just got all sorts of stuff going on. Maybe it's disasters, whatever it is, folks. Um... They, you know, pandemic shortages in general, um, reliance on China and supply chain issues. We need to be prepared. So again, guys, Jace Medical is simple. You can go online, fill out a form, and then you get prescription life-saving medications delivered right to your door. Gives you peace of mind, the Jace case, so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. And guess what? Listening to this podcast, you know what I'm doing. I'm doing the part where I deliver you the good news. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Case Medical, or Jace Medical, sorry, Jace Medical Plus, an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Ladies and gentlemen, go check that out. Remember, that's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Dot com and use the promo code locked on for $20 off. Go check it out. And we are back. We are so very, very back to impersonate Tom Cruise on this here Locked On Padres podcast. Be sure to go check us out, of course, on SiriusXM for the play-by-play of your hometown Padres. And play a little Locked On Padres while you're at it, maybe. And when you're on the road, you know, it's a night out. You know, you, you just, it's it's night, you gotta stay awake here, and it's a long drive home from work. You know, the moon is out, you hear all the hoodlums, you hear all the shouting. You wanna play some Lockdown Padres, there you go, check out the radio, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah! <laughs> anyway, um, ranted about Grisham, praised Snell and Campizano. let's end it with another W. Ladies and gentlemen, and that is Monday's game against the Dodgers. The Padres win a rare, I mean super rare, comeback victory. I j- Look, there's probably been another one. There has to be, like just fundamentally. But in terms of like a real significant comeback, 
There's only been three that I can remember. I, I count the Hassan Kim walk-off at the beginning of the year. The Dodgers come back from a, a month or so ago. And then this one. The Padres end up winning this game 11-8, to despite being down by a whole lot. Ladies and gentlemen, at one point in this game, the Padres are down 7-2 after Mookie Betts hits a big hit, Max Muncy hits a home run, Miguel Rojas is hit by a pitch, and he's allowed, you know what I mean? That allows an RBI. Mookie Betts starting things off with a home run. Um, it, it was an awesome game, like, just from an entertainment perspective. And that's one thing that I've been trying to emphasize is, like, just watch these Padres games from an entertainment perspective and just try to vibe, and you might have some good things going for you. Um, Matthew Batten, who... I'm tempted. I and I put this out on Twitter. I'm tempted. Do we have to start the Matthew Battenhive? Because he's actually been pretty solid for the Padres. And he's a good example of something this team has long needed, which is just decent like contributors off the bench. So far in 2023, he's hitting 258 with a 347 on base and a 409 slugging. So the slugging isn't incredible, but the on base, the batting average, hey, look, this is how I view it. Better than Matt Carpenter because Matt Carpenter was allowed to start a whole lot of games this year and he wasn't very effective. And, you know, Garrett Cooper has been pretty good for this team. There are some players on this team with Batten and with, you know, maybe Eggy Rosario. He got some, he gets an RBI in last night, Wednesday's game. Or, I'm sorry, he almost got an RBI, if not for a great play by the third baseman over on the Dodgers. Um, that, like, I look at this and I say, you know, even jerks and profile, like, these sort of, like, fringe sort of bench players, I'd love to see if we have players of this quality brought back next year. I talked about how Profar for, like, a, a year, two million bucks or whatever would be totally cool. Like, just having these guys that are just better than Matt Carpenter, guys that you can rely on a little bit more and be excited about, I think would be a really big deal for this team. Because they're just better than awful, below-average Matt Carpenter type of batters. Better than Runetto Dora type of batters. Better than Austin Nola type of batters. And that adds up over the course of a full season. So it's exciting. And I'm curious to see if, uh, you know, if you give Melvin some type of these players to actually be able to adjust the lineup a little bit, if it would pan out and be something. Um, but in this game, uh, big hero of the game is actually probably either Manny Machado or Juan Soto. Take your pick. Juan Soto in this game, 3-for-5 with 4 ribbies. That was really rad. Um, but then also Manny Machado with two home runs uh, in this game. And I talked about with my buddy Miller Thomas yesterday. He was my first overall pick for a bounce back for next season. I don't know if he'd actually been my first overall pick, I will say. Uh, Machado was DH uh, in this game. He goes two for five with three ribbies, the two home runs, like I mentioned. Does have two strikeouts. And I did have a tweet where I jokingly tweeted about how Machado is batting like 700, he's Hercules, he's a superhero, whenever the Padres are already down by a lot. And it's funny that they end up making this comeback. I This is what happens sometimes, right? Like, I was just so certain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was so certain that uh, we probably were going to make that comeback. But then we end up doing that. He hits the home run in the top of the fourth, a solo shot. That's the one that made me do the tweet. And then in the top of the six, he hits a two-run home run to bring the Padres within just one. Then you get the bat and hit. Then you also get a Xander Bogarts uh, solo shot and a Juan Soto home run, which puts everything out of reach. Really cool stuff. It's nice to see them all, you know, adding on to their stuff. I wish the offense could have been more like this when we really needed it and we weren't just firmly out of the playoffs. But still, um, I will say Bogarts, Looking a lot better lately. Looking like the player they paid for. A 120 WRC plus in the second half. He's been slinging it pretty well in, in September. 
I'm not saying he has to be on fire, but just that steady sort of bat, rip the ball between the gaps, batting average on base guy, good bat to ball skills, a solid, if not spectacular, and occasionally below average defender. That's kind of what we're hoping from Bogarts, right? Like, we're just hoping that he's that, like, oh, man, I faced two sluggers in Soto and, and Machado and then, and then Tatis. And, oh, my God, if I let Tatis get on base, he can run wild. He's so fast and athletic. And then I got to face a guy like Bogarts who's just been there before and been in all his situations, and he can get me whatever. You know, maybe he's a 20-home run guy. That's totally fine in best-case scenario. But Bogarts has been giving me hope lately, and I really f- think that next year he's going to be better and you can't judge these long-term deals in year one. I can judge the vibe of giving Bogarts money when you already traded for Soto and Machado, which I've said for so long that they keep doing the big moves rather than realizing they already have the stars. Now you just got to build all the tertiary stuff. But uh, I, I think I still think it's, it's a good sign. Uh, just a good sign to be like, okay, at least we're seeing what good Xander Bogarts looks like. And that's kind of cool. Um, again, Machado has just been pretty abysmal um, in the clutch this year. Um, in any situation. Um, last year, he was a lot better for sure. Um, the only thing with Machado's clutch factor that I will say is it's not an entirely unfair narrative. I'm not saying this guy's the James Harden of baseball or anything, but it's playoff numbers. Playoff numbers have shown you that he's basically only had two series in like 10 playoff appearances where he's hit like a superstar of his caliber. So that part is worth talking about. But in the regular season, he was really good last year in that regard. But uh, yeah, just a frustrating season from Machado as a whole. But uh, yeah, not much else to really point out here. Pedro Avila, almost as if he heard my podcast when he didn't give up any runs in his last start against Philly. But I cautioned. I didn't like that he wasn't getting any whiffs. I didn't like that he wasn't getting any strikeouts. He only had one, and he walked six last game. And I said, look, that wasn't all that impressive. Don't get me wrong. I think he should have been getting starts against some instead of someone like Rich Hill. I'm I'm totally a, a believer in that, but came back to bite him right. Like as I was kind of warning to, I just don't think he has it at the moment. Uh, two and two thirds innings in this game, seven earned runs allowed. That's not great, um, but still the Padres end up winning, so that's really cool. It doesn't really affect the standings at all. It's not going to hurt even the Dodgers. They already won the division. Like not much to report there, but. You know what? Screw it. It's still fun, and I enjoyed this series. I think it was fun to watch. We got a whole lot of offense. We got some good vibes and a little bit of a reminder of what this Padres team could have looked like, right? And in fact, I think this is what a lot of people thought, which would be like struggling pitching with like an ace or two with Snell and Darvish and Musgrove. Like those guys would be good, but then it's like, oh, Waka and Avila and Rich Hill, you know, your back end guys getting hit up. But then we would have an offense with these world beaters at the top that would hopefully make up for it. Um, again, I think that this series is just a little bit of a reminder. We got to wonder who's going to be the future center fielder. Got to hope that Campizano gets better with the defense, but there's some stuff to be excited about here. And if you just, over the offseason, if you just get some decent depth that you think works, maybe in business next year, because I do think a lot of these guys should bounce back, uh, particularly Bogarts and likely Machado, and I think uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. as well. Uh, I talked about this with Millard, but... I think he's got like a lot of the same vibes of Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'm not just saying because of, you know, just the, you know, the way that they play, the un, you know, the unwritten rules or whatever. I'm not talking about that, but just Ronald Acuna Jr. coming off his injury last year, good player, not excellent though. And then this year looks like he might be the MVP. It's between him and Bookie Betts. We'll have to see. We still got a bunch of games left, but uh, you know, maybe that's what's going to happen next year. He'll get fully back. 
And if that happens at the plate, and if he keeps up this defense that he showed all year, likely to lead to a gold glove incoming, you, that might be the MVP frontrunner for next year, guys. Like It really might be, and I'm really excited for it. So looking forward to that, guys. Um, but that's basically it. That's all I have to say about this series. Again, shouts to the Dodgers fans who I'm, are undoubtedly leaving comments probably on this video. Um, but otherwise, it's a really fun series, and I'm curious to see if Blake Snell wins the Cy Young. I'm curious. Uh, in terms of the future of this show, guys, tomorrow, um, we're starting our player reviews early, only because you Darvish is officially shut down for the season. So I want to talk about his season, this year, you know, his performance, any numbers that I can pick up, and then going forward, how to feel about Darvish, one of my favorite pitchers to watch always. Um, you know, do his work and work on his craft. Really cool stuff. Going to be doing that. And then that's it for the week. And then over the weekend, nothing because it's the weekend and I don't do this podcast on weekends, as you know. But still, look forward to next week. More drafts. Going to be doing some crossovers as well. Continuing my player review series. My, I don't know. Leave a comment. If you have a specific player, aside from you, Darvish, which I'm doing for tomorrow's episode, aside from him, if there's a specific player that you'd like to see me do first in the player review series, just focusing all on one player, let me know, and uh, maybe we'll do that. Aside from, like, you know, like like some random reliever that only pitched for us a little bit, you know what I mean? Besides that, guys, you know what I mean. I trust y'all, though. But anyway, with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or subscribe on YouTube, Lockdown Padres. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.